1: You're about to hear the voice of one of Italy's last godfathers. Until very recently, it's a voice that hadn't been heard in public for 30 years. He's stuck in traffic, but he doesn't seem to be bothered. In fact, he's in a jovial mood, chatting about his mum. She's been demanding he make sure a specific song played at her funeral
0: la jadesk mars o la marcia del kaiser è quella che fanno a vienna
1: my mother is capricious he says maybe i got that from her
2: difare magari ho preso pure un po' da lei non lo so qua mi sono rotto il
1: coglione di brutto ciao ciao it's one of the last messages Matteo Messina Denaro sent as a free man. The 60 year old boss of the Western Sicilian Mafia had been in hiding for three decades. But last month.
0: Italy's most wanted Mafia boss has finally been captured, ending one of Europe's longest manhunts.
1: There were a hundred officers waiting for him.
0: Denaro has been on the run since the mid 1990s when the Sicilian Mafia stepped up their bombing and murder campaign. The elderly man in the beanie cap. Denaro's arrest may be the final blow for the Sicilian Mafia.
1: His capture finally brings the curtain down on an almost unbelievably brutal drama played out in the 1990s. One in which judges were blown up, museums were bombed, and the son of an informer, a 12-year-old boy, was kidnapped, then killed, and his body dissolved in acid. Messina Denaro was nicknamed Diabolic, believed to be responsible for killing or ordering the murders of dozens of people.
0: The arrest is a very, very important event. Obviously, Mr. Matteo Messina Denaro is the keeper of fundamental secrets in very delicate matter.
1: This is the story of how, using wiretapping, a cancer diagnosis and some old-fashioned detective work, after 30 years, police caught up with the man who once boasted he'd killed so many people he could fill a cemetery. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from the Times and the Sunday Times. I'm David Aronovich. Today, how Italy caught the last godfather.
2: It was a rainy, cold morning in Palermo, in Sicily, outside a rather shishy medical clinic frequented by
1: well-to-do Sicilians. That's Tom Kington, Italy correspondent for The Times. He's been following this story for years. Suddenly, there's quite a lot of movement in the streets as a large number
2: of police officers swoop, and they're after one man, they're after... Matteo Messina Denaro, who they have realized is um, a patient at that clinic. They swarm around him and uh, he reacts rather calmly. He says, Yeah, I'm Matteo Messina Denaro. Very often, Italian mafiosi who have been on the run for years, when they're seized in these police operations, they're very, very calm. And sometimes they even compliment the police officers in front of them for having (laughs) made the arrest. And they'll they'll wander off uh, into custody as if they were expecting this all along. And I think it's part of a huge effort to not give any satisfaction to the arresting police officers.
1: And was there any reaction from other people who were around at the time? I'm taking this as happening out in the street in front of the clinic, and people must be seeing. How how did they regard it?
2: They were rather less calm.
0: Bravissimi, bravi,
2: bravi. There was a lot of cheering going on from passers-by, and I think that was really appreciated by the police officers who, perhaps in the past, have worked against that famous Sicilian omerta, which is
1: the code of silence. Tom, you've been following, obviously, the question of what's been happening to the mafia and mafiosi for a long time. What have the last few weeks been like? What has been incredible about the last few
2: weeks is just the insight we've had into the life of a man who was a ghost for 30 years. We didn't even know if he was alive. We didn't know what continent he was living on. He'd come to be a kind of symbol more than a man, a symbol of, of Italy's horrific mafia violence in the last century, a symbol of the Italian state's inability to track him down and really sort of put a lid on that era. So then, You get to see pictures of him, you get to find out that he was living quietly under an assumed name in Sicily and we've actually heard audio of his voice of him just chatting about his mum. It's just really surreal.
1: Tom, we'll come back to the manhunt, how the authorities actually got to him a bit later. But first, of course, we need to know a bit more about him. So in in the first instance, what's his background?
2: He was the son of 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 a mafia boss. He grew up in a small town in Western Sicily called Castelvetrano, where his dad was running the town. His dad also went on the run, so like father, like son and was still on the run when he died. His family, when he died, dressed him in the clothes he was going to be buried in, laid him out, and tipped off the police. So he was ready for burial when the police got there. <laughs> now, as a young man, Messina Dinaro Naro was, um, I think, a pretty arrogant type. This was a farming town, not very well off. He sort of swan around town, driving a convertible car, wearing a Rolex watch, Always decked out in his in his ray bans and uh, just throwing his weight around and um, prepared to actually um, kill to preserve his status, he was quite a womanizer and when he was romancing the young Austrian receptionist at a, at a hotel when he realized that the manager of the hotel also had ambitions to uh, to date the receptionist, Messina Denaro shot him
1: dead what he shot a hotel manager dead because the guy fancied the same woman? Correct. OK, so he's a he's a real mafia princeling in that case with a kind of violent sense of entitlement is the picture you're drawing up here.
2: Absolutely. And, and that was just the start. I mean, this is a man who went on to kill something like or order the death of 50 people. So really, this was him just getting started.
1: Now, we have an image, obviously, of the Mafia over here, which is largely formed by the American Mafia and the films about them. To what extent are the Mafia in Sicily like the American Mafia, and to what extent are they rather different? How do they actually operate?
2: I think for anyone who's seen the Godfather films, you'll know that the American Mafia of the 50s and 60s was an offshoot of Sicily's Cosa Nostra, uh, often they, they were descended from people who'd come over from Sicily, or they themselves had come over from Sicily. And they worked very hard to preserve what they saw as the code of honour and loyalty
1: that was core to the Mafia's survival. Do the Sicilian Mafiosi, people at Matteo, do they f- feel any sense of kind of cultural connection with this image that we have of the Mafia as represented by movies?
2: Yes, Messina De Niro had a big poster of Marlon Brando from The Godfather in the living room of the flat he was hiding out in. I think he also had a fridge magnet, a Godfather fridge magnet, with a slogan saying something like, the only Godfather around here is me. So <laughs> it, it's a very typical example of how mafia types tend to be inspired by the films, which were inspired... By them in turn. There's a very famous example of a mafia boss in Naples who ordered an architect to build him the same villa that Al Pacino had in Scarface.
1: Say hello to my little friend.
2: And that villa is still there today. It's been seized, but locals just call it Hollywood.
1: Now, I think we should just talk a little bit about our man's rise through the Mafia. What did he have to do to prove that he was the boss? He became part of that um, inner core of the
2: Sicily's Cosa Nostra alongside people like uh, Toto Rina, who in the late 80s, early 90s, went on a killing spree to protest against the state's tough jail time for Mafiosi. They were incensed that Mafia bosses were being sent away in in larger numbers for longer time
1: the Mafia suspected in a car bomb attack last night in the swank residential neighborhood of Rome. At least 23 people were hurt there.
2: Italian officials are investigating the latest in a series of terrorist attacks.
1: huge car bomb near the cathedral in central Milan killed five people, including three firemen. Two more blasts rocked central Rome.
2: A parent bomb explosion blasted the heart of Florence, Italy
1: early this morning, killing at least a half a dozen people. This weekend, there was an emotional funeral for four of the six people killed by the blast. A couple and their two young girls. A blast earlier this month in Rome that targeted the apartment of a journalist prominent in the anti-mafia crusade.
2: So that led to that famous and very violent period in Italian history where Messina Denaro and others uh, staged bombing attacks across Italy until they were increasingly rounded up. All of them,
1: of course, except Messina Denaro. So Tom, I have a bit of a a Sicilophile, and the airport, I believe, is actually named after magistrates who were killed by the Mafia famous ones, and one of them, I think, even on the road to the airport. We're talking, yes, about Giovanni Falcone and Paolo Borsellino,
2: who were the magistrates who finally cracked Cosa Nostra. About 10 cars have been here. Some are currently being evacuated. We already know that the escort vehicle has been pulverised. Our colleagues are in it.
1: Wasn't there also some bombings on outside Sicily in tourist
2: areas? Yeah, Messina Denaro himself was given the job in 1993 Of bombing the Uffizi Gallery in Florence. That damaged paintings by artists like Rubens and Giotto, and killed people.
1: At least six people were killed in the explosion, which happened just after midnight local time. Among the dead were an eight-year-old girl and a nine-month-old baby.
2: And he was given that job because he was considered to be the arty one of the bunch. He knew about art, so his pals thought that he would know which were the masterpieces that they needed to uh, destroy.
1: He liked art so much that he was given the job of deciding which were the best bits to blow up. I think that tells you a lot about the mafia mentality. Okay. Um, And then there was another awful crime, wasn't there, which was the killing of a 12-year-old boy. Can you tell us about the background to that and what happened?
2: 1993, Messina Denaro was part of the gang that snatched Giuseppe di Matteo. He was the son of a turncoat, a mafioso who was spilling the beans to the police. They were hoping that by taking his son hostage, the father would stop talking. They held him prisoner for more than two years in a bid to get the dad to shut up. And in all that time, the father never, ever decided to recant and stop talking to the police. And then at the end, when they had no more use for the boy, he was strangled and his body was dissolved in acid. It's a really horrific story, not just because of the way that the boy was killed, but the idea that they held him for two years, and and, and apparently by the end of it, the boy had wasted away, totally lost, um, no sense of who he was anymore, or what his future was, or no, no idea if he'd ever see his parents again. So it, it was just a sort of inhumane cruelty.
1: Shortly after that crime, in 1993, you said... Is that when Matteo vanished? Yes,
2: that's when he disappeared and started leading investigators on this 30-year
1: manhunt. Coming up, how De Naro stayed hidden for 30 years and how he was finally caught. But first, a word from a colleague.
0: Hello, I'm Jane Mulcairins, Associate Editor of The Times Magazine. Every week in our award-winning magazine, we bring you revealing in-depth interviews with the biggest names in politics, entertainment and sport, along with in-depth features and our brilliant columnists. We can only do this thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times.
1: I'm David Badil. I'm a writer and a comedian
2: and a Jew.
0: I'm Saeed Avasi. I'm a businesswoman and a politician and a Muslim. Jews and Muslims always seem to be in the news or on the news. Most people talk about us, and this is us talking about ourselves, the kind of things that people say don't touch. We are going to go there.
1: I mean, I think Jews and Muslims are talking about these things, but I think they're not talking about them together because they're worried that if they do, sparks might fly. A Muslim and a Jew go there.
0: Find us wherever you get your podcasts.
1: So let's recap. It's 1993. Massino Donaro and his accomplices have been on a bombing spree, and with things heating up for the mafia boss, he goes into hiding. Police, in all that time, were rounding up some of his
2: backers, getting insights into where he was, but always too late. Sometimes they would pounce on a hideout and find that he'd been there until recently. What they got an idea of was that he was continuing to maintain that luxurious lifestyle. Now, the question some people ask is whether during that time, whether he was actually number one in Cosa Experts say the answer is no that he was just focusing on that time on staying one step ahead of the police, staying in charge of the, all the businesses that he was remotely controlling. And he was making money from the businesses he had going in Western Sicily. For example, he had some secret interests in the wind farm industry, which is quite big in West, Western Sicily. So he was sort of taking a cut from the profits of that.
1: Wow. Let's go back to his capture, Tom. You described how it happened in Palermo, but that's just presumably where he was coming in to have his medical treatment. We'll come on to what that was in a moment. But he wasn't living there. Where was he actually living?
2: After his arrest, it was discovered that he'd been living openly under an assumed name, just a 10-minute drive from where he was born, quite openly having taken over the name of a man called Andrea Bonafede who lived in Campobello di Mazzara. Mazzara Campo Bello di Mazzara is a town of about 10,000 people. It's rather cute. I was there just after the arrest. It's a sort of a small farming town, whitewashed houses, rather narrow, tight grid of streets, and a lot of olive farming going on around town. So a lot of farmers gossiping in, in the cafes.
1: Tell us a little bit more about how the authorities actually found him. Sure, he's out there uh, almost overtly, but living under an assumed name. Presumably nobody really recognises him or if they don't want to say anything. So how did the authorities get to him?
2: Good old-fashioned detective work, really, because they were wiretapping members of his family. And they got this suspicion that he was being treated for cancer some comment made by a relative in a sort of unguarded moment on the phone. So they had this idea that he was being treated for cancer and that he was in the area. And they used medical databases to narrow down the people, the men of that age, he's 60, suffering from cancer who were being treated locally. And they came up with this one man, Andrea Bonafede. Who was from Campobello di Mazzara? So when they found out last month that Bonafede had an appointment in Palermo, they thought, let's go check it out. And that's when they found Messina Dinaro entering the clinic, clearly not Bonafede, but actually Italy's most wanted man.
1: Wow, so they actually didn't know until the moment they saw him, not for sure. That's right. They said
2: that it was literally at that moment when they ran up to him and said, Who are you? Only then did they get the confirmation, which is why they were kind of whooping and cheering in the street
1: alongside the passers-by. Now, when they go into his flat in Campobello de Mazzara, what do they find? Lots. They found things like a
2: €700 restaurant bill. They found the Marlon Brando poster I mentioned. They found a pistol hidden in a secret compartment in a kitchen cupboard. Designer clothes. They found, I think, Viagra so clearly he was enjoying his fugitive status and in fact they've now interviewed two women they suspect were uh, visiting his his hidden apartment to spend leisurely
1: evenings with the boss I suppose the big question that any listener has is he was taking quite a lot of risks wasn't he that somebody would dom him in so why wasn't he caught earlier
2: you're absolutely right and what shocked me more than anything in all this was not just the fact that he was living openly in Campobello di Mazzara under an assumed name, but he was shopping in Palermo for designer kit. He was going to restaurants in Campobello di Mazzara and he was making friends. So in the clinic in Palermo, for example, he would pose for selfies with the medics. And for a guy who was living under an assumed name, You would imagine this is quite a risk because he's divulging details of his real life, his real family, to women he's met in a cancer clinic. So it just, I think, shows you what confidence he had. And if you're asking also about how he managed to stay ahead of the police, I think it goes back to this white collar network of supporters he had, the guy who drove him to that fateful appointment in the Palermo Clinic, Giovanni Lupina was a very well known guy. He was a wholesale olive purchaser. Then there was also Bonifede himself, the man who lent Messini Denaro his identity. He was a property surveyor. I banged on doors in his street. He was already in custody, I couldn't speak to him, but I spoke to neighbors who were just gushing in their praise for him, saying, this is a splendid man, we've known him for all our lives, he would do anything for us. So, you know, these people were well-respected in the community, yet they were part of Messina Denaro's essential kind of network of support. The other factor, as local police were telling me, was this famous omerta. Now, as they said, that doesn't mean actively supporting the mafia. It just means turning your back. You just don't want to know. So even if you get a a hint of a suspicion that someone like that is living it in your midst, you just get on with your own business, partly out of fear, partly out of just not wanting the hassle that comes from getting in, possibly
1: getting in the mafia's way. Yeah, you can absolutely, in many ways, understand it. Tom, you said when he was arrested, there was a great reaction in the streets from ordinary palermitans, as we call them here in England. But how have Italians more generally reacted to it? I think that there's been a huge sigh of relief just because
2: of what he represented. For Italians, he was the last piece in the puzzle connected to all those killings in the 90s. So just the fact that he had been now was like putting a lid on it. Giorgio to Italy's Prime Minister, at one point was talking about making the day of his capture a public holiday, which I think tells you a lot.
0: It's a day to celebrate for us, and we showed that the mafia can be beaten. We haven't won the war against the mafia, but this battle was a fundamental one to be won. This is a real strike against organized crime.
1: Let's look at where it leaves the Sicilian Mafia now. So even when he was on the run, he was still formally the head of the Mafia in Western Sicily. Who is tipped to take over from him?
2: Talking to locals in Castelvetrano, one of the suggestions was a man named Francesco Guttadaro, who is his nephew, who could step into the role Obviously, Guttadaro will now be under heavy surveillance, and uh, (laughs) so it might be difficult for him to do that. I think the point that locals were making was that uh, there will be a vacuum, and there will be a lot of people out there around Castelvetrano and Trapani in Western Sicily who will be open to someone stepping in. That said, some of that may be cleaned up if the police can get their hands on Notes left by Messina Denaro, which spell out what his activities were, where he got his money from, and allowing the police to, to step in and shut all that down. The news about what the police have found in Messina Denaro's apartment has gone rather quiet recently, and it may be that if they found stuff, they're not telling us because they're going after the people running those companies and running those contracts. So we will hear more when arrests start coming.
1: Tom, let's talk about what all this means now for the mafia in Italy. Do you think that it means that the day of the mafia in Italy is drawing to a close?
2: I think that there will always be someone waiting in the wings to profit from the downfall of of one particular organisation. On the other hand, I think that the police and the magistrates in Italy are getting much, much better at uh, cracking down on these people. When it comes to the international influence of the Italian mafias, who's to say if their place won't be taken by uh, mafias from overseas, the Albanians, for example... Uh, have, have been showing their mettle when it comes to drug trafficking across Europe. So let's not just talk about Italian mafias, but European mafias. So, yeah, always someone ready to take the place of any organization that looks like it's weakening.
1: Finally, Tom, what happens now to Denaro? Messina Denaro
2: is now serving multiple life sentences in a very high-security jail in Italy, for the crimes that he was convicted of while he was on the run.
0: Messina Denaro was tried, convicted, and sentenced in absentia to life in prison 20 years ago for the murders of anti-mafia prosecutors in 1992, deadly bomb attacks in Milan, Florence, and Rome a year later, and the kidnapping, torture, and murder of a 12-year-old boy.
2: He'll be kept under the same tough prison regime with very few visits, very little time spent with other prisoners that him and his accomplices were protesting against in the 90s when they went on that bombing campaign. Um, It's unlikely, I think, that he will start talking.
0: Mr Matteo Messina-Denaro is the keeper of fundamental secrets in very delicate matter. So now we have to consider, will he cooperate with the judicial authority or not.
2: I don't think that he'll give any testimony. And so therefore I think that he will just get on serving his life sentences
1: and uh, he'll be in prison till he dies. Which if he does have serious liver cancer may not be very long from now.
2: A doctor who has treated him has said exactly that, has said that um, he may not have long now left to enjoy prison. That means it's far more important now that the police do find any notes or any documents that Messina Denaro had hidden away because the enduring mystery about the Italian Mafia is how many politicians, if any, were in cahoots with them in the 90s and whether we can finally get the names of those politicians. <laughs>
1: You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, David Aronovich, and my guest, Times Italy correspondent Tom Kington. You can find all of Tom's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producer was Olivia Case. The executive producers today were Kate Ford and James Shield. And sound design was by David Crackles. If you have a story you think we should be covering, an idea for a future episode, or thoughts on what you've just heard, Send us an email to stories of our times at thetimes.co.uk. See you again soon.